0: Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. Thank you for your word. It's powerful, Lord. It always accomplishes its work. It never returns to void. Father, we humbly submit to your Holy Spirit. And I ask that you'd fill all of us. That your spirit would be upon all of us. Would that all of your people would prophesy, Lord God. Would that we would all be filled and continue to speak your word with all boldness. Father, I present not just myself, but our entire congregation to you. Do with us as would please you, God. Accomplish your pleasure in us and among us. Reach the lost with the gospel. Open up doors for salvation, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever experienced opposition? In your faith. When you have identified yourself as a Christian. When you've spoken about Jesus to someone else. Have you ever experienced opposition of any kind? Me and Andrew were in a coffee shop uh, just uh, a couple days ago. Andrew prayed for the first time when there were strangers around us. I'm sorry, Andrew. I didn't ask you before. He said he felt like there was a weight on his hands. He just... Um, it, it was It was a new it was the first time he had ever prayed um, with someone else around, and um, that was kind of a barrier a little bit. Not that we pray to be seen by other people, um, but when you own your faith in public, uh, that can be really scary at first. Have you ever felt fear when you felt like you needed to talk about Jesus I felt fear uh, I remember uh, in high school, a twin uh, asked me, what is Christianity all about anyway? I mean, like, that's the best open door you could have. Like, open hand. And I remember just trembling um, and just shaking, kind of excited and kind of afraid as it started to talk about Jesus. Um, I really believe Satan does not want the Christian to begin, start sharing him. And so I think people can often experience the most oppression when they, before they have begun to learn to share Christ. And really, when we bring someone to Jesus, we need to encourage them to open their mouth early and to share, to own him, right? But you will receive opposition. If you determine to speak about Jesus with other people, you need to expect opposition. You might be ridiculed. You might have a feisty argument. You might be pulled by your employer. Um, I've been pulled by an employer before um, and explaining that what I said about Mary was not kind to the Catholic lady washing the dishes. Uh, I didn't know she was Catholic. I wasn't even talking to her. I was talking to this other guy about Jesus. And we were, Anyway, uh, yeah, I got pulled by an employer. It's happened more than once. Um, maybe you'll be avoided. Maybe you'll be
1: arrested.
0: China right now is cracking down on Christians. There was kind of an openness for a little bit uh, this past year, and then it started cracking back down. Christian bookstore owners have been arrested. Their uh, Bookstores have been closed. We'll talk about some other opposition that's been going on. I remember one time going into the mall and approaching a stranger to share about Jesus. And uh, they were kind of punk, dressed out. And uh, they turned around, he and her, and they just started cussing me out a couple feet right from me. Just spitting and, and just uh, swearing at me. And, um, and I remember they walked away and I just remember praying for them. But, but the, there is a real opposition the gospel, to the gospel message. Satan hates it because it has the power to save. He doesn't want humankind to hear this message. I remember the night that I felt like I needed to post a video when the coronavirus started. Uh, I felt like I needed to post a video talking about what Jesus said would be the signs of his coming and to talk about the judgment and to talk about the gospel. Uh, Just kind of a simple video. And I remember that night, uh, I got hit with sleep paralysis pretty hard. I don't know if you guys know what sleep paralysis is. Have you ever experienced that? Anybody it's here? terrifying. Where, where you get hit and you can't move in your sleep and fear starts to fill you and move upon you. It feels like there's an evil presence. And you see something in the corner. So um, it had been a long... Some people report seeing things. Some people report feeling a weight on their chest. Some people even have reported scratches on their bodies. Um, from these night attacks. Satan does this stuff. Uh, I had one last night, actually. Um, and, uh, but I've learned, you're not afraid of it. You resist it. You call in Jesus' name. You cast out. Go back to sleep. So, but um, but it, when I woke up, I told Olivia about the sleep paralysis, and she said, we definitely need to post that video. So um, opposition may mean that you're doing something right. Opposition may mean you're doing something right. Paul said, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Okay? There will be resistance if you are walking in Christ. When Jesus said the gate is narrow and the way is hard, my version says hard in the Greek, it's this idea of afflicting or pressing. It's the same word we get our word affliction or persecution from. To go the narrow road is afflicting because we have an enemy who is in charge of the world here. Okay? The god of this world and he opposes the gospel with everything that he has. We're going to take a look in the story of Acts where Peter and John are receive some of their first major opposition. As they had just preached the gospel, they had seen a lame man healed in chapter 3. Right, And they showed the power source was not themselves, it was Christ. And in his name, this man has had perfect health in front of you all. It opened a door to share about the good news in the gospel. And here in chapter 4, we see the first opposition that they receive. So we're going to learn from the opposition that they faced. Here's the main point today in this chapter. Because Jesus alone saves, you must share him regardless of opposition. Because Jesus alone saves, you must share him, regardless of opposition. So we're going to see the religious leaders, and we're going to see three actions of opposition that they took against the disciples. And then we'll look at their response. The first action is the leaders arrested the disciples. So, chapter 4, verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain in the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed. Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. So... We see that the leaders, the religious leaders, it says that they were the priests, the captain of the guard, who was second to high priest, and the Sadducees, greatly annoyed, greatly annoyed. I think there's two reasons why we see the religious leaders are annoyed. Uh, Why did they crucify Jesus? Do you remember?
1: Because he was a heretic.
0: Okay, maybe a heretic. He was leading them away from doctrine. What else?
1: He claimed to be.
0: Claim to be the son of God. Yep. When they talked to Pontius Pilate, um, they pointed out that this this guy claims to be a king. And we have no king but Caesar. They pointed out the state. Okay? Christianity is not the only religion that is persecuted in the world. Um, There's other religions that are persecuted, especially in countries where the state wants to be God. When the state wants to have the ultimate authority... They oppress other religions. Um, This is why we see that there's not just Christians being persecuted in China, but there's however many Muslims in concentration camps in China. Because in a religious worldview, they recognize somebody higher than the state. Okay? And in North Korea, shamanism is also being persecuted. Um, When they recognize something outside of the state, the state doesn't like that. And we see that, I think we're going to see that theme throughout the book of Acts. Is the theme is, look, they're saying some other person is king other than Caesar. But if we're a Christian, if we're Christians, we honor a greater authority than just the state. Okay? Um, this is um, one, the high priest had said that if, we didn't ki- if they didn't kill Jesus, they would be afraid of an uprising against Rome. And he being the high priest that year, prophesied that it was better for one man to die for the people, right? Uh, which was ironic uh, and that he said that, because that's exactly what happened, that uh, Jesus died for the people. Okay, the second reason they were probably annoyed is because the Sadducees, who were religious leaders, that, that uh, religious sect didn't believe in the resurrection, Okay, so you notice it says they're greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, that really rubs the Sadducees the wrong way uh, because they didn't even believe in the resurrection. And we'll actually see that play out in the book of Acts as well. Well, if you are preaching Christ, you need to be ready for trouble. Get ready for trouble for following Jesus. You remember his commands when he invites us to follow him. If anybody wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When you choose to follow Christ, you're signing your life on the line. Um, And there will be opposition. There will be real opposition. The state is not always friendly to Christians. This is especially true in other countries. It is... Increasingly so in our country Mm -hmm. as well. And you need to be ready and to count the cost of what it means to follow Christ. If any, I mean, take up your cross. The cross was what the state used against enemies of the state. So we see them arrested. That was the first action that the religious leaders took. Um. Oh, the second action they took was they questioned them. So let's read verse 5 through 12. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the priestly, the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. So the first thing we see as they are questioned, notice the question, by what power um, or by what name are you doing this?
1: So they're thinking it's
0: another God. Well, that is, the, that is one question. And they asked Jesus the same question. Um, by what authority do you do these things? You remember Jesus' answer? Tell me. You answer me and I'll answer you. John the Baptist. Was his ministry of God or of man? Okay. And they didn't want to answer because they were afraid of people. And so they didn't answer. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So this is a passage Uh, We see the same pattern with Peter and John. By what authority or by what power do you act in this way? By what name? So I want to point out verse 8. Peter, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit spoke. So we see the Holy Spirit coming into the picture here. And the result, the gospel is being preached boldly. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be a clarity... In sharing the good the good news, and there will be a boldness in sharing. Okay, that's why the Holy Spirit is coming to help. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen to his disciples when he was prepping to send them out. He gave them instructions and he told them they would end up being before rulers and leaders. Who's got Mark or Matthew 10, 16 through 20? Go ahead, Cindy, nice and loud. I am
1: sending you out like wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Beyond your guard, you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, or it is not It will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the
0: Father speaking through you. Jesus told them and he prepared them that they were going to end up before councils, before rulers, and he said, Don't worry about what you will say. The Spirit will speak through you. What a great assurance that you and I can have that if we were to if we were to ever be brought before authorities, before powers, when death kind of rises. That the Spirit himself will help us speak. That he will speak through us. That he will strengthen us for that day. Not only that, I think the Spirit helps us in, in times where you may have an average conversation with someone. Start praying, Holy Spirit, show me what to say. Give words to me. And Paul often asked that prayer request that the words would be given to him in sharing the good news. The Holy Spirit will help you Bear witness about Jesus, just as he did Peter. And so we see Peter acknowledges and he answers the question, the name. He said, let it be known by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he puts, a full, he puts responsibility on the religious leaders, whom you crucified, all right, Whom God raised from the dead. So there we see the gospel message. Christ was crucified, raised from the dead in a simple sentence. But he's bold. He's talking to the people who crucified Jesus. and he's speaking, I mean, can you imagine? He's probably like, that's it, This is done." <laughs> um, and he puts it right to him whom you crucified, by him. This man is standing before you well. And then we see another pattern that continually happens is they reference the Old Testament scriptures. We've been seeing a number of Old Testament scriptures in chapter 3. What we didn't get to last week was Peter explained that Moses said a prophet would come like him in Deuteronomy. He said a prophet would come like him. If anybody doesn't listen to that prophet, they will be destroyed among the people. That's in the book of Deuteronomy. Well over a thousand years before Jesus came, Moses said another prophet would come like him. The other scripture they referenced was um, Abraham, that God said that he would bless the world through Abraham's seed, through Abraham's offspring. Um, and so now, Peter references another scripture in the Old Testament. Actually, it's about two or three scriptures. Um, who's got First uh, Peter 2.6? I'm gonna let, um, we're gonna read the Septuagint version of this um, Peter, when Peter's referencing it in the Septuagint. Go ahead, Tom. First Peter
1: 2.6. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in time chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame.
0: Okay. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, precious and tested. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. In several places in the Old Testament, God spoke about a cornerstone that he was laying. Now there's another scripture, I don't think I passed it out, the one that Peter's actually quoting is Psalm one eighteen twenty two, and here's what it says. Let's see if I can find it here. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing; it is marvelous in our eyes. And so Peter, referencing the scriptures, says, "This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone." Wow. What is a cornerstone? Okay. Jesus told Peter he would be on this rock I would build a church. It's more specific though. Peter was a rock. Jesus is the cornerstone. What's a cornerstone?
1: The foundation.
0: It has to do with the foundation. It's a foundation stone. The whole I lay in Zion, a foundation, a precious tried stone. The head of the corner. It's like the first stone that's laid and everything's referenced off of it. Yep. It's in the corner. Um, it's in the corner of the building, in the foundation, and everything is laid off of that stone. It has to be the strongest stone because it, it is not only carrying the weight of the building, but it's also joining the walls. Okay. The Lord said that he was laying a cornerstone. And the irony about this is that the builders of the building rejected it. They rejected it. And he's saying, this is the religious leaders, those who are trying to build Judaism, and the cornerstone comes in human flesh, and they reject him, but the Lord had determined he would become the very foundation of his house. Uh, It's an incredible scripture. It's neat, too, that Jesus, the cornerstone, joins the sides of the foundation, Um, and you think about that, the, the Jews were going to be joined with the Gentiles. And that's actually this verse, the same verse is referenced in Ephesians 2, talking about the joining of the Jews and the Gentiles um, through Jesus, the cornerstone. Um, so kind of a neat concept. Jesus is a precious stone, it says. He's the Son of God. No greater value in the human in, in the universe than Jesus, the Son of God. He was tested, he was tempted and tried. He was a tested stone. He was sure and he was strong. And he would become the very foundation of the building that God is building. What is the foundation of your life? What gives you the very the very orientation to live with meaning and purpose with direction? What is the foundation to your life? Will it last? When the storms come, does your foundation help you endure through the storm of this life? Will your foundation, will it endure death? Is it stronger than just going through this life? There is a foundation that even death cannot shake. And it's been laid. The cornerstone being the one who died and rose from the dead and conquered sin, and death. When we go through life, we are tested and our foundations really are tested. Do you remember how Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, it's like a man building his house on the rock. When the winds come, and the storms come, and the rains come, they beat against the house, but that house stands. When you look at your life and the storms that you have weathered, has your foundation stood strong? Have you been building your life upon Jesus and upon his words? If you see that there's a gap or a hole, go back. And go back to Jesus and what he said and build your life on his words. Is Christ the Lord of your heart? Maybe you say he's the foundation. You come to church, maybe you read the Bible. But in your heart, the Lord knows what's there. Is Christ the foundation? Is he the cornerstone of your heart that everything else rests? Is he the confidence of your life? Set him apart as Lord of your heart and be ready to tell about the hope that you have. Because when you have a strong foundation, in this year, in 2020, people are looking for strong foundations. People are shaken at the very core because their foundation, when faced with death, people turn frantic because they're not laying their lives on, corner, on the cornerstone. They're buying toilet paper in droves. I remember that. <laughs> I can relate to that. Buying toilet paper in droves. Toilet paper is not a strong foundation. <laughs> if you remember anything else... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could forget that comment today. <laughs> my
1: foundation is coffee.
0: But you think about it. God brings us through trials. He brings us through hardship. And it's really to reveal what's in our hearts. It's to reveal what I'm, Is Christ my foundation? And when things get hard, when death just tears away from my life, my heart shakes, but... You may find that more and more, he's actually building you on the rock. As you go back to Jesus, as you go back to his word, you find it will stand, beloved. Renew yourself and set Jesus as Lord in your heart. And as you do, people will look and say, why are you not freaking out? Hey, you've only got three rolls of toilet paper in the closet. What's going on?
1: Why do you never freak out anything? <laughs> You're so calm. What's why are you so
0: calm? You? Why are you at peace? What is the hope that you have? Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Go back to this hope. And as you go deeper into Christ, you will be more ready to share him with others. He said, um, the last thing he said in, in verse 12 there, there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one cornerstone. Not many. There's only salvation found in Jesus. Salvation is found nowhere else. His very name means Yahweh saves. Okay? Why is it that God is so narrow in proclaiming his salvation? One question you're going to get asked if you talk about Jesus. Why does it have to be so narrow? Why only Jesus? Why not Buddha? Why can't I just, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I try to do good things. You know, why can't I? I mean, one person has been saying recently, uh, oh, I believe in God, but I don't want to read the Bible. Um, um, there's one, one comment. Well, a lot of people believe in God. But which God? Right? Which God? The reality is that God has made it narrow. There's salvation found in only one thing. Jesus' name. If that is the case, if that's really true, beloved, that there is salvation in only one name, then you and I need to speak his name. We need to share his name. Do we really believe that Jesus is the only way? If we really believe that, then it only makes sense for us to share of him. See, God is life and he's the author of life. He's not going to let people find life outside of him. That's why the way is narrow. There's only one God that we can worship and serve. And it is the one that is sent, Jesus Christ. God is holy. He has to deal with sin. He is a just God. He has to repay sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because God does not want any to perish. He so loved the world that he sent his only son. The stone, knowing he would be rejected by the builders, knowing he would come to his own and his own would not receive him. But God sent him anyway to die for sins, to pay the punishment that you and I deserve. Because Jesus' sacrifice was acceptable to God, it defeated sin and death. And God raised him from the dead, testifying that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the Savior and that Jesus will judge the living and the dead. This is what we believe. This is the gospel message. And we must share this message with others. We we must share this message with others. So we're going to look at the third action of opposition. Opposition. That the religious leaders took. In verse 13. The third. So remember the first they arrested them. The second they questioned them. Now the third. They threatened them. Okay. And then they released them. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness. Of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. And they recognized. That they had been. With Jesus. I want to pause right there for a moment. What did they notice about Peter and John? They were bold. These guys are bold. You know what Proverbs says?
1: They have no filter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they have removed. They have removed any hindrance. And actually, we're going to talk about that. Um, what does the word boldness mean? The word boldness means all outspokenness. It means frankness. To be frank. It means bluntness. To speak publicly and unreserved. In your speech. It means not to hide anything in your speech. It means to be free and greatly confident. It means to speak with cheerful courage. This is what the Holy Spirit had done in the disciples. That there was the mark of the Holy Spirit was boldness to speak the truth. With cheerful, unreserved confidence. I believe that God wants all of us to speak in this way. And you know, it's so, it's, this is such an encouraging passage. It says that when they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. What does your version say there? Uneducated, common men. Okay, anything else? What does yours say? Unschooled, ordinary. Unschooled and ordinary. This should be an encouragement to us. You know, in the Greek, it's kind of funny. Uh, The first word is uh, means like, it's talking about not being a scholar, not a grammarian. (laughs) Um, And the second word is idiotes, where we get our English word idiot from. (laughs) Um, Now, that doesn't mean they were idiots. um, idiots. But what it means is that there was nothing unique about their education and their schooling. These guys were high school dropouts. Um, they had to go to work. They were fishermen. Um,
1: they didn't have seminary
0: degrees. but it
1: says they were uneducated, common men. Yep, uneducated,
0: common men. They didn't have. quit
1: their jobs.
0: Yep, they quit their jobs to follow Jesus. They didn't have seminary degrees. Um, but what did they have? Look at. this. They had the Holy Spirit. And it says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Beloved, the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to have your life. And he will transform it.
1: When,
0: when Peter was fishing, when uh, Jesus had the encounter with Peter, he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher. Amen. You can enroll in Jesus' discipleship. You can become a disciple of Jesus, and the, the relief to me is that Jesus makes us fishers of men. It's, that's His work to form in my life, to transform me, it's to come to this place where I was trembling, not knowing how to speak, when sharing with other people, and then this. and I've come to a place not always there, um, I, um, where there's a lot of relaxedness. In sharing Christ, um, there's a lot of ease because I think the pressure's off. I recognize that the Holy Spirit's gonna move. He's gonna work. He's gonna open the door, and His Word's powerful, and I believe it. Um, now I can outdo all of you guys probably in my blunders in sharing with people. I've probably had more awkward encounters. <laughs> I mean, maybe some of you had. I have had plenty, and um, so don't be discouraged. I think it's good because it teaches us not to have any confidence in ourselves, but to look to him and to look to his spirit to supply the words in that day and in that season. I remember one story where there was a training session to share the gospel. These students were uh, memorizing all the scriptures that they would need to have. And when uh, and they were memorizing scriptures to counter arguments with um, and then they went on the streets and the first encounter one of them had was a question they hadn't practiced. It's like, that's classic, right? Um, That's classic. It's not all in my preparation either. It's in who you know. Do you know Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Do you understand the good news? Beloved, God wants you to share. Hey,
1: Sam. Yeah. If I could just add something. Um, If I look back 15 years ago, I was such a lost, broken individual and um, 15 years later the transforming power of Jesus in my life if if my old person was sitting here no one would recognize him not even myself Mm -hmm. that um, I'm a totally different person but the good thing is that I can take that experience And use it as a testimony. Absolutely. And that was a hard time of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I was near death. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't care. Yeah. You know, but uh, I cried out and Jesus taught me. And it's been, I just don't know how to be thankful to him enough. Mm -hmm. You know, for giving me a new heart a new spirit within me and, mm. and changing me and taking what was bad and made it into good. Mm. And I'm so grateful.
0: So, so grateful. And that's the right attitude. You see this pattern. When people encounter Jesus, they leave praising and exulting and talking about him. He would tell them to be quiet. Shh, don't tell anyone. Anyway. And they just couldn't be quiet. They had to talk about it. When we be with Christ, he changes us in that way. God's not looking for you to be, to be something different in your background or your story. He's looking to use you with your story. Because somebody else out there will relate with your story. Somebody else out there will say, well, they're just a normal person just like me. If God can do that in them, he can do that in me. I remember sharing my testimony at a camp and... I'm, I've never been impressed with, with parts of my testimony. Um, it's pretty low-key, pastor's kid, and there's more to it. But I just told it in its, in its regular averageness, uh, being a pastor's kid, growing up in a Christian home, you know, kind of this gradual growth that I saw in my life and some key moments in um, trusting and surrendering Christ. I had a young pastor's kid come up to me. He said, I'm a pastor's kid, too. And then we, I don't remember if I was crying or if he was crying. I just remember him asking, how did you not grow bitter against the church? And, um, and I, the Lord touched me that day, showing me that there's somebody that needs to hear. I was on a mission trip, and I remember one of the girls on our mission trip, her name was Julia, just felt so insecure about her story and her testimony and um, she felt like it was nothing special, but they, taught, they rehearsed it, and she was ready to share it. And out there, she brought somebody to Christ on the street from sharing her story. And I remember with tears, Julia said, never underestimate what God can do through your life. God is looking for... Remember what Paul said in Corinthians. Consider your calling. Not many of you were wise... That's okay. Not many of you were strong according to worldly standards, but God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. He chooses the foolish things to shame the strong. The things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast before God. It's so sweet when we realize that everything in my life God is able to use. If I would let him, If I would present myself to him. So they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, I'm going to try to finish this. Okay, so um, I want to point out um, so basically, the rest of the section, verse 14 through 22, the religious leaders confer together and um, they realize they can't really punish them because the healed dude is standing right next to them and it was obvious that he had been healed. OK, and they said, we cannot deny it. Now, look, verse 17, but in order that it may not spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For They were all praising God for what had happened, for the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Now notice this. The religious leaders feel like they're in a corner. They don't know what to do. Um... And um, so they chide them to not speak. And then notice the boldness again of Peter and John. Whether it is right to listen to you rather than to God will let you decide. But we cannot but speak. They're fearless. And they recognize the greater authority. God is the greater authority. God, the one who has all authority and power, had commissioned them to go in spite of all opposition. The reality is this same Lord has commissioned us. To go make disciples of all nations. In spite of all opposition. Notice the fearlessness of John and Peter. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, notice the fear of the religious leaders. Okay? Um, It says um, they had no way to punish them because of the people. The religious leaders are fearful of the people, They are afraid of man. Okay, so they're not doing anything. But Peter and John fear God. When we go and, and bear witness to Jesus, there is a strong confrontation there. Do I fear God more than I fear man? Am I more taking seriously what he says to me than what that person may reject me for? One fear that you can have in sharing the gospel could be rejection. What if they don't receive it? What if they don't accept it? Um, and we can. So I used to take that personally, that I was failing in the mission. And that is not true at all. That's Satan's lies right away. But after a while, you realize, no, God has given us this gospel message, this great salvation. And he says, go and share it. Don't neglect it. But to speak about it, for there is no salvation in no one else. If that is true, that there is salvation in no one else, then you and I must say, as Peter and John, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. So, there we see two responses to these oppositions. The first is they pray. The second, they speak. Okay, so in verse 23 through um, 29, 28... They gather together. Peter and John go back. They tell their friends everything that happened. And then they pray and they address the Lord, in verse 24, as Sovereign Lord. See, that, that title, Sovereign Lord. They recognize that he is the overarching reigning ruler and king, Lord. And then they recall another passage that talks about all of the kings of the earth coming against the Lord and against his anointed one. Okay? And they recognize that that's playing out before their eyes. There's real opposition to the work being done. The kings and the rulers and the people are all against the Lord and against his anointed one. And so what do we do when we face such great opposition? The world is against Christ. They're not for him. They're following their king, the God of, the world, of this world, the prince of the power of the air in which they walk. They're following after him. They are set against the Lord and against the anointed. What do we do in face of such opposition? We pray. We pray. Now notice their request in verse 29. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wow. They prayed, and as they prayed, the Lord heard and he answered and filled. What was his answer? What did he do? He filled them with the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came as an answer to prayer. Notice, they've already received him. Okay, we don't see tongues or prophecy play out in this passage. Maybe it was there. Maybe it was present. The primary sign that's pointed out as a result of being filled with the Spirit is boldness to speak the word. Boldness to speak the word. You and I have need to speak this gospel message with boldness and clarity. And where will we get that? From the Holy Spirit. From being with Jesus. Now notice they also ask the Lord to work with them. To heal and signs and wonders to be performed. One pattern I'm noticing as I'm studying Acts is that a sign is opening a door for the message. Chapter 2, spirit comes on them. They speak in tongues. The sign opened the opportunity to share the message. Right? Brothers, these guys aren't drunk, as you would suppose. But this is to fulfill. And then he goes right into the gospel message. In chapter 3, lame man's healed. A sign had been done, and it opened a door for the message to be shared. And so they ask for signs to be done. They ask for wonders to be done. They ask for the Lord to heal while they will speak the message. And I think you and I can do the same. We can ask the Lord um, to attest to the gospel message in us and upon us as we go. So, I'm going to give you a challenge today, two parts to a challenge, and it's in your bulletin. Well, maybe. No, the first is meditate and memorize 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. I'm going to ask that we do this as a church. We'll come back to it. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 is just the simple gospel message in two verses. Okay? Um, Paul is delivering it to the Corinthians, the gospel message. So if you say, Sam, I've never memorized a Bible verse. There's different ways to do it. One way you can do it is say it 10 times um, while reading it. Read it 10 times and then say it aloud 10 times. Um, um, and you can do it one verse at a time. And um, we'll, we'll work on that. And uh, we're going to, I think we're going to have a short prayer time after service here just to pray this out. I feel like we need to pray as a result of what we're seeing. I wanna ask God to move in these ways, to fill us with his spirit. Um, And so, uh, but here's one last challenge as we go. Break the ice. Speak of Christ this week to someone. Speak of Jesus to someone this week. As you pray, ask God to open a door. And perhaps he'll lay a person on your heart Or a medium like social media or maybe a phone call that needs to happen or a relationship. I don't know what the Lord wants to do. But I'm going to challenge you. Speak about Jesus to someone this week. If there is salvation in no one else and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved, then let us speak the name of Jesus. So let me pray. Jesus have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Lord, we ask that you'd fill us with the spirit. We pray that you would open up doors for the sharing of the gospel, that you would grant for your servants to speak the word with all boldness, Lord God, while you stretch out your hand and confirm the message. Um, We ask for grace. Lord, I ask for a great desire and a great empowerment upon our people, upon this little fellowship that we may speak boldly your word. Um, I pray that the Holy Spirit would lay somebody on each of our hearts uh, or lay some way or some person that we need to speak to uh, in your time, Lord. Not as, not as a rule that needs to be kept, but rather a command that you can ro- move and work through us. And we're going to trust that you're going to do it in us through your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, gang. We are dismissed.